2, uh, we have been talking about making an impact specifically uh, in the past few Sunday nights, uh, metaphorically speaking. We took a look at some metaphors in the Bible and in areas in which we can make a, an impact to people around us. And so tonight, uh, we've looked at a farmer and, and uh, we've looked at salt, we've looked at light, and tonight I want to talk about specifically a student, a student. What comes to your mind when you hear the word student? Um, school or college? I heard one student say this, or write this, Dear Math, I'm tired of trying to find your ex. Just accept it. She's gone. We, we spent a lot of time in high school looking for the ex. Remember that? Uh, but she's gone. And the, and the truth is, it, students should be more than, than school. It should be more than college. A student should be our entire lifetime. We should always be a student, and it shouldn't stop with graduation. Uh, we should be students our entire lives. God has specifically commanded us to study and to grow. Look with me, if you would, Second Timothy chapter 2. Most of us probably have this memorized, but it's a great verse to know. Study, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, that is a command that we all have to study. Tonight I want to mention, uh, just talk for a few minutes here on being a student. Father, pray to help us. The next few minutes here we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the sunset years of his life, the Apostle Paul requested that Timothy visit him in prison. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, it really is the last of his writings. And this is what he says in verse 13 of chapter 4. Uh, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Find that interesting, that he had been mature. He was, more than any of us, mature in his faith. He had been used by God to write much of the New Testament, but he still felt the need to keep learning. He knew that his life was almost over. He talks about that. And yet he felt the need to keep reading, to keep learning. And that's fascinating to me. For the one who wrote Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, the Thessalonian letters, Philemon, and now the first letter to Timothy, finishing the second letter to Timothy, which was his last, all the writings of Scripture, he's wrapping up his life and he still wants to read and to learn. God specifically commands us to study. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. But if we're to obey God and remain students for life, let's look at specifically what we are to study. Because truly, if we're going to impact the next generation, we should study, we should constantly be learning. Before I left on our trip on, on the cruise with my wife, uh, we I asked five pastors for their recommendation, for if they could recommend one book that they read in the last year to give me that one book. And, and I got numerous recommendations and I got some good reading. Pastor Nix, the one he recommended for me, had probably the most impact on my thinking and, and uh, as I'm reading that throughout. In fact, it was one of those books you read a page, then you sit around thinking about it for an hour because it was just so much and so convicting. It's all about the harm that has been done to us as a people by the use of smartphone and social media. Uh, they have done a lot of studies and found that the attention span of humankind has been dropping over the decades, 
and they did study in 2000, just before the digital revolution, and our attention span then was about an average of 12 seconds. Our attention span now has dropped to 8 seconds. And just to give you an idea, a goldfish has an attention span of 9 seconds. So smartphones have made us dumber than goldfish when it comes to our attention span. A recent study also said that the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. That's some serious control there, isn't it? Also, and the same study found that just being in the same room as your phone, uh, even if it is off and you know it is off, reduces your memory and problem-solving skills significantly. Just being in the same room with it. That, that makes us more consumers than students uh, to the phone and to the things that come with it. We ought, and again, nothing wrong with it, but we ought to be students, and we ought to continue to be students. Let's look at what? student of, Number one, a student of principles. Uh, the purpose of studying God's principles is twofold. Uh, there is to, to experience change and growth. God wants us to conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. This requires change. There's, there's got to be constant metamorphosis in our life. We ought to constantly be changing more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. He also wants us to grow in spiritual maturity. There can be no genuine growth without inner change because we've got to change if we're going to grow. An excellent example of this growth process happened in Ezra, uh, Ez- the life of Ezra, Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart. He did three things here, see if you can catch it. He had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. So he followed a three-phase process to seek, to do, and to teach. Let's look at the first one, seeking. We ought all to do that as well, seek. We begin by seeking in God's Word. You can't effectively obey and teach the Bible until you know it first in a real personal way. We ought to be in our Bibles. It ought to be something that's a part of our everyday life. We've got to allow God's Word to penetrate our hearts. We ought to let it permeate our lives. Proverbs 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That's a... Another way of saying what's in the well comes up in the bucket. What's in there is going to come out. The quality of our lives, then, is determined by the quality of our hearts. As the heart is, so your life will be. This is why we need to hide God's word in our hearts, and it tells us to do that. We are blessed in America to be able to have ready access to the word of God. Most of us have multiple copies of the Bible in our house. Most of us have it's most of us have it within reach pretty much uh, our whole life. And if not, you have it on your smartphone. You can have it there to read or you can have it read to you. Uh, it'll almost do everything but memorize it for you, you know, uh, because we've got it at such a ready access. Yet having it available is not the same as reading it and being and immersing ourselves in it. The one who does not read the Word of God is in no better condition than the one who cannot read the Word of God. In fact, he's in worse condition because he has the truth accessible to him but chooses to ignore it. Luke 12, 48, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. To him who men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. God warns us that the Bible may not always be so easily accessible 
Amos 8.11 talks about that, how the day will come where God will send a famine to the land and not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but hearing the words of the Lord. Don't waste the opportunities you have to be in the Word because it might not always be the case. We need to take advantage of it while it's available. Uh, my dad always told this story when I was growing up about a pastor who showed up to visit one of his members and uh, wanting to impress the pastor, the mother told uh, her daughter, she said, go get that book that mommy loves to read so much. And because uh, uh, the pastor wanted to talk to her out of the Bible. And so she scurried off and came back uh, carrying People magazine uh, because our kids know what we hold dear in our life. Amen. They know what we take serious and they know what we uh, value. Not only did Ezra seek the Lord, he honored that process to seek, but he also said he will try to do it. Uh, he did more than just seek the word. He obeyed it. James 1.22, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. This is so valuable. We, we, we use the first part of that verse, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. That's an obvious one. But think about that last part. If you're a hearer only and not a doer, you deceive yourself into thinking you're a lot better than you really are. So, so as to not deceive ourselves, let's be doers of the word. Those who know God's truth but don't live God's truth, deceive themselves. It's not simply enough to know the Bible. We must live it. There's a fascinating story in Matthew. If you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28. Uh, I, this, I'm going to preach on this one day. I never have on this passage, but it's kind of a unique one. I, I don't ever know quite what to think about this passage. Maybe you've read it or remember this. What think ye, verse 28, of Matthew 21, a certain man had two sons when he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. Nice son, isn't it? But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. And he went not. That's something. And uh, whither of the twain did the will of the father? Boy, you've got Christianity in a nutshell right there, don't you? One, some that say, I will, and don't, and some that start out bad but then turn around and do it. Well, one walked the talk, uh, talked the talk, and one of them walked the walk. It wasn't the words that counted, it was the actions that counted. Make sure we're not only seeking the Word of God, but we're doing it, and then carrying it out in our daily lives. Mark Twain said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me, it's the parts I do understand. So let's just take what we do understand and put it to work. So learn the Bible, seek. Don't stop with the learning, live it. That is to do. And then thirdly, to teach, is what Ezra said. Uh, seeking and obeying God's word motivates us to teach it to others. This is where impact comes in. We ought to constantly be uh, passing it on to someone else, especially if we have children, we Put it into their lives as well. What are we doing to, on, uh, to pass on the blessings that we receive from our spiritual growth? Hopefully we're passing that on. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 34 recounts the uh, story of King Josiah. He repaired the previously neglected temple of God. And if you remember the story, while they're working in the temple, the workmen find uh, the word of God and they bring it to King Josiah and he realized how greatly they had failed to live by the word of God, so he taught it to the people personally. As a result, God sent a great revival in the land that had lasted the entire lifetime of Josiah. 
In 2 Chronicles 34, 33, And Josiah took away all the abominations out of all the countries that pertain to the children of Israel and made all that were present in Israel to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. The revival began with the man who found the word of God, who decided to live the word of God, and then determined and did teach the word of God. And you see the impact he made? Imagine that. His whole people, all of his people, his entire life served the Lord faithfully. If we surrender ourselves to teach the word of God to others, God will most definitely use us to make an impact. Paul gave Timothy the responsibility. If you've got your Bible still open, look at chapter 2, verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. He poured himself into Timothy, his son in the faith. He now instructs Timothy to pick up the baton of truth and pass on what he has learned to others. I, I'm, not, I'm just going to mention this because I know I brought this in a message not long ago, but in the area of leadership, can I encourage you, again, the three people that you ought to have in your life? Uh, every one of us ought to have a Paul who's a pattern to us. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be followers of me even as I am also followers of Christ. You ought to have someone in your life right now that you can look to as an example of what to do for Christ, whether it's a spiritual family member, a mother, a grandmother, grandfather, father, pastor, whoever it is that we have in our life. We ought to have a Paul that's a pattern. And then secondly, we ought to have a Barnabas who's a pal to us. Uh, Acts 15, 25 uh, talks about the beloved Barnabas and Paul, they, they uh, called him the son of consolation because of what a great friend he is to people. He was It was basically called the son of encouragement because he always assisted others. He was the first one to befriend Saul, who later became Paul. He was the one that stood up for Mark when nobody else would. Barnabas was a great friend, and we ought to have that in our life. Who is your spiritual friend that sharpens your iron, so to speak? Iron sharpeneth iron, the Bible says. So we ought to have a... Paul, who's a pattern. We ought to have a, a Barnabas, who's a pal to us. And then we ought to have a Timothy, who's a project to us. First uh, Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth, he tells Timothy, Paul does, but be thou an example to the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and purity. Paul poured his life into Timothy. All of us need a project, someone to pour ourselves into. A project or a, a person that we're investing in will keep our focus, that will keep us in line. I ask you tonight, who are you investing in? Who are you making an impact in in your life? You need to have a Paul as a pattern. You need to have a Barnabas who's a pal and a Timothy who's a project that will help us. Now, teaching and learning must never cease. We are always responsible to teach the Word of God, especially to our own children. Psalm 16.6, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Can our children say that they have been passed on a goodly heritage? Do they have a legacy of a Christian family who is faithful in the areas of the Lord Jesus Christ that they can model their own families after? God's plan for each generation is to impact the next generation. We ought to never let that uh, link fail in our when it's our turn to do so. That's how the Christian family is perpetrated and uh, from generation to generation. Judges chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. I'm not going to turn there, but uh, if you remember the story how Joshua led the, the people of his generation to serve the Lord, but they failed to teach their children. And when they failed to teach their children, it stopped. The next generation forsook God and started to serve idols and go after false gods. 
What a wonderful opportunity. What a fearsome responsibility we have to teach the Word of God, not only to our children, but as you saw this morning when we dismissed the kids, there's like a mass exodus as they go out. We have an opportunity to teach the next generation, and that's not something we want to take lightly. Quite, quite literally, the future of our nation depends on that because it's not in, in the uh, pro- proponing of morality in our nation. It's the godliness in our nation that will save it. Consider some of these principles from the book of Proverbs on teaching. Um, here's a principle. Nearness is likeness. Proverbs 13.20, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Very simple. Hang around idiots, you're going to be an idiot. That's basically what Proverbs is telling us. Hang around losers, you're going to be a loser. Hang around winners, you'll be a winner. Hang around wise people, you'll be wise. That's what it's saying. Walk with wise men, you shall be wise. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. We wonder why we are failing in our life. Maybe we need to look at those we spend time with. Nearness is likeness. And then listening increases learning. Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. And so as we listen and we listen to wise people around us, we will continue to learn. We ought never to stop learning. As soon as we think we've got it all, we've arrived, we're in serious trouble. We're not only, only are we to be student of principles, we're to be a student of people. Student of people. A diligent student learns all he can from whomever or whoever he can. I don't know. I never know which is correct between those two. But God brings people into our lives that we can learn from. From some people we learn what we ought to do. From some people we learn what we ought to not do. Have you ever seen people like that? We probably can think of people like that in our minds right now. Oh, I learned a lot from that person, what not to do. And then some people teach us what to do. Now, I should note, to set this up, I hate few things more than a critical spirit. I'm not talking about having a critical spirit. It's not what I'm proposing here at all. But we can learn from people and even from mistakes of others as well. Uh, People from the past. Wise is the person who learns from the people of the past. There can be rich lessons uh, learned in the corridors of history. That's why I'm such a proponent of reading. Charles Eliot said, books are the quietest and most constant of friends. They are the most accessible and wisest of counselors and the most patient teachers. We ought to be readers. Readers are leaders and leaders are readers. And we need to be that if we want to make an impact. Scripture gives us a lot of illustrations of lives that were blessed by God. Their testimonies can be a shining example to us. We learn from Gideon that through God we can overcome insurmountable difficulty. We learn from Jonah that nothing is too hard for God. We learn from Moses as a baby in the Ark of the Bulrushes that God never uh, leaves us. He always watches over us. Hosea teaches us that we can forgive no matter how badly we have been wronged. Man, you want a, you want a real strong book, read Hosea. That's a, that's a tough one to swallow. Uh, Paul teaches us that God can use anyone in a great way despite their past. Nicodemus teaches us no matter what our social standing is, uh, we must be born again. Joseph teaches us that no matter how dark the night, God will never forsake us. And over and over and over in the Bible, we learn from different people. We ought to look at these examples. 1 Corinthians 10.6, Now these things are given to us for our ensamples, he said, or our examples. I think it's a good thing also to learn from history. 
reading biographies of great Christians, one of the things that we do as we read the lives of the people of the past is ask the questions, what truths can I learn from them to be a help in my life, and what things in their life can I imitate, and what things should I avoid? These are just areas in which we can learn. So people from the past, and then people from the present. Greatness is often unnoticed in its own generation. You ever notice that? A wise student will strive to learn from the people around him. A benefit of learning from contemporaries is that we can observe their lives. Uh, We can call them if we need to. We can talk to them. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, Every man is my superior in some way. In that way, every man can be your teacher. Everyone. Even if you don't have that much respect for somebody, you can learn something from them. I feel that way with folks in our church. I learn from people in our church constantly. I don't spend any time, ever spend a, a day or, or time with Jeremy not and lack learning from him. Rich, I can learn uh, many things from, he has a benefit of many years more than me and I appreciate his thoughtful approach. Wes has taught me through his relationship with God through very difficult times. I've learned from that. Pastor Forsberg has taught me more than he can he realizes about how to deal with people, and I could keep on going down the list. I, we can learn from everybody, and uh, we ought to. We ought to quit thinking that we're better than everyone else. Can I tell you, even arrogant people don't like arrogant people. And when we get arrogant, when we think we've arrived, or, oh, pfft, don't need to talk to her, I don't need to talk to him. We got, a, we got a heart problem. There's a problem right in here, and we need to deal with that. Uh, because you will never have a great impact until you learn from others. And when you think you've arrived, you will have very little impact on anyone else. And so we need to always be learning from people. Scripture points to a specific group of people we need to learn from. Hebrews 13:7. Remember them which have the rule over you, which have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Follow, uh, the, the original word is mimeomai. It means to mimic or to imitate This verse teaches us we need to pattern our lives after godly leaders. And this is, uh, doesn't mean you worship or blindly follow. The Bible says, be ye followers of me even as I am of Christ. Follow them as they follow Christ. But God puts spiritual leaders in our lives for a reason, and that is so that we can learn from them. And then finally, a student of the person of God. God Himself is our primary teacher. When we allow God to make us more like himself, we're going to maximize our impact. Uh, We can more clearly and fully show him to a lost and dying world the more that we take on his attributes in our life. We have his love, we have his mercy, we have his grace. What an impact we can make those around us. (coughs) Look at the attributes of God the Father. uh, Omniscience, all-knowing. Omnipotence, all-power omnipresent, that means he's everywhere. Those are things that belong just to him. None of us have those things. I am not omnipotent, I am not all-knowing, and I'm not all-present. But God has a lot of attributes that we can reflect in our lives. How about God is love, so we ought to be loving. John, 1 John 4, 8. Our God is just, so we ought to be just. Isaiah 45, 21. Our God forgives, and so we should forgive, 1 John 1, 9. Our God is faithful, and so we ought to be faithful, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Our God is holy, 
And so we ought to be holy. 1 Peter 1.16 uh, Our lives ought to be a reflection of the Lord and it only will be as we learn from Him and we grow in Him through His Word. And then attributes of God the Son. The Lord Jesus is the one and only God-man. He is our chief example. 1 Peter 2.21 For even here too were ye called because Christ also suffered us for us leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps. For example, we see that Jesus always displayed kindness to children. We ought to be kind to children. Amen? We ought to have an open door to them. You know, many churches don't, for some reason or other, have children and and, uh, have open door to children. And so we want to invest in children always. We see Jesus' total devotion and sacrifice. He was willing to give up his own will in order to please his heavenly Father. We ought to be willing to do the same. We see how Jesus handled temptation using the word of God. That's how we ought to handle temptation. We see how Jesus responded to being attacked, always loving, always merciful, praying for those who despitefully used him. He left us a flawless example. So we ought to look at, we ought to study, we ought to imitate Jesus Christ and grow to be more like him. How does God do this? Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. So how does God get you there? Trouble, valleys, heartache. It's not always a pleasant road to get to that place. Valleys in our life, that's how he gets us there. It's not an easy way. Patience comes through trouble. Uh, character comes through hard times. And for us to be conformed to the image of His Son, sometimes some heat has to be applied. Sometimes some pressure has to be applied for Him to shape and to mold us into the image of His Son. We need to accept those things. Reading, meditating, studying has to be a conscious choice. The activities in our life, uh, there's so many things in our life right now to distract us. As I talked about in the beginning, cell phone, social media, internet, all those things. There's so many things in front of us that are always trying to pull our attention away from God. I've said it often, but I'll say it again. The devil does not need to deceive you if he can effectively distract you. And has he not been good at distracting? We don't need to be deceived if we're constantly distracted. And so it gets, it gets our attention. It gets our attention off of where it needs to be and puts it on worldly things. By nature, we want to be entertained. We want to be at rest. Have you streamed Netflix lately? Netflix figured something out. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if you have ever binged a certain program, they know that people are so incredibly lazy they don't even want to pick up the remote and hit next and so what has netflix done it's automatic all you have to do is just sit there like this and it'll automatically start the next program and uh, it'll be about a five second lag and the next one starts and uh, i i remember didn't it used to at some time are you still there once in a while are you still living are you still breathing uh before they'd continue on and sometimes you have to hit something but we like to be at rest like to be entertained it's not as easy to study but the bible tells us to study 
The Bible tells us to be a student. We ought to do so. Can I encourage you to turn off the TV, pick up a book once in a while, apply yourself into learning in some area, in some arena, in some fashion, you ought to be a, a student. Because the Bible tells us to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. By the reverse principle there, that tells me that there will be some Christians that will be ashamed, who wasted all their time on worldly pursuits, not even evil pursuits, just worldly, just natural pursuits, and they forsook what was really important, and they just let that life fly by, and it'll do it, by the way. Your life will fly by, and before you know it, years have come and gone, and you've done nothing for God. Don't let that be you. Be a student. Father, we thank you for the passage.